Hello and welcome back to another episode of Mac and D. How are you doing, Jimmy D? I think I'm doing better than you. It sounds like you are uh, maybe five caffeine drinks deep on a, a heck of a work week. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Had a nice 4 a.m. flight yesterday, Monday to get back to Texas. Had to work the day and then went to bed. Woke up, did the whole thing again today. Just how it is. It's how it is at the beginning of the month when you're an accountant. You just got to close the books, make things happen. And you know what? It's going to be okay. Got a nice wedding this upcoming weekend. Had a bachelor party for another brother, or another friend. Last weekend was a very good time. I'm not going to lie. Haven't started my best man speech yet. Feel like a terrible person. However, it's going to be rocking. I'm a big believer of the short and sweet speech. So that's how it's going to be. How are you, how, what's your strategy? Are you going to just all of a sudden ha- hope the inspiration hits you like 10 minutes before you go? Or are you going to write something really good down and, and really refine it? I, I'm not going to be that person's like whipping out the phone, right? I'm going to have the major plot points in my head and just kind of walk through those. I feel like this podcast just makes us well-spoken people. You know, we just know how to talk. It's just how it is at this point. So I think if I do that and then just kind of connect the dots as things happen, we'll be a-okay. Aiming for that sweet spot of like one to three minutes. I saw this really, really good clip from Kyle Brandt, who's on the NFL Network, where he's talking about how like the best man's speech has just gotten too big. It's not worth it to just do the whole theatrical production that people do nowadays. And I want to kind of just keep it a little simpler, a little bit more from the heart, go through like the main one to two stories and then just be in and out. I'm not the person of the day. It's all about them. Don't put the fucking like onus on me. We don't need that. So yeah. that that's that's my focus. Two, two things. One coin Dogecoin, the swear jar. And two, I'm right there with you. I actually gave the speech this weekend. Uh, to your point, I did, you know, no notes in front of me, no phone in front of me. That's a classic maid of honor move. They always have the sheet of paper in front of them. It feels less genuine. Uh, I, I knew my five bullet points. I weaved in and out, got got around to it and hopefully gave a riveting speech. That's awesome. Did you have like more funny or more like heartfelt? Did you go wedding crashers? Or you know, a, mix, a mix of mix of both, right? There's there's some things that made some people laugh. I wasn't there, to, you know. To, I wasn't trying to do like a stand up bit or anything like that. But I wanted to, you know, have it lighthearted. But at the same time, you get, you got to hit your points to to let the the couple know that you care about them and do have some meaningful stories about the two. Yeah, yeah, and you're a witty guy. I just like I'm really curious how like the dry humor that you have sometimes can translate to a big audience because you always have that grandma that's like <coughs> and like just totally doesn't get the joke whenever it comes across. I, so. I did not uh, did not try to lay on dry humor. That's that's for the podcast. Yeah, too layered, too too deep, you know. But uh, great weekend of football. I honestly didn't get to catch as much as I would have liked. I got to see some, got to watch Sunday night football before my flight, but then it got just really, really busy. Yeah, I, I think you and I were both in the same boat. A lot of travel on Sunday, um, not by choice, out of necessity, really. So I, you know, I only got to see the Monday or the Sunday night game, really, of all of them. Because by the time I got back, the Pats were so dead. I was like, I, I can't turn this on. It's it's not worth my sanity. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who was more down bad after Monday night. I don't know if it was me or the New York Giants. They, they looked absolutely awful last night. I had so many comebacks just simply by having that Seattle defense on my team. Eleven sacks, an interception or two, a fumble recovery, a touchdown. I was cheering on Devin Witherspoon as he was running into the into the end zone. I was like a proud papa as he was crossing that end zone line. It was an incredible weekend for a lot of my fantasy football performances. Did you have anybody that stuck out to you? I, I mean, you have to 
obviously this is not a fantasy football performance, but Devin Witherspoon, hats off. Uh, he saw that Gon- Gonzalez is going to be out for a period of time. It's like, sweet, rookie of the year is wide open. I'm going to go take it by force. I mean, what, two sacks or maybe a second and tackle for loss, seven tackles, uh, an interception, touchdown. Like, what, what a game for the fifth pick who people were kind of down on. You know, they were really starting to say, like, did they get the wrong corner? Like, did they... Did the Seahawks mess up? And and I think he completely wiped that narrative uh, off the board. Not really sure how Daniel Jones is supposed to do anything when he's getting sacked 11 times. I mean, it's like he would shake a defender, and then the second defender would be the one smoking him. It, it was a rough night for for the Giants faithful. Um, yeah. Big performances from what I saw. Uh, I mean, it was pretty much all, all bills, right? It was a, a Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs kind of day, and if anyone had that stack, they, they did really well. Yeah, it's just kind of end up what ended up happening is that Bills offense just going absolutely crazy. The the Dolphins were like, hey, we're going to score 70 points in a week and give up 20. And then the very next week, they were like, oh, we're going to score 20 and let the opponent score 70. They really had a night and day performance. It was honestly kind of exciting to see like that vintage Josh Allen. And he was really starting to talk some shit after a while, too. I don't know if you saw that thing where the Dolphins, they walked into the stadium with like this like finger under their chin emoji shirts on. And after scoring a touchdown, Josh Allen did the exact same celebration. It was kind of hype. I'm not a Josh Allen guy, but I was like, dang, that's some next level trolling that I can get behind. No, I didn't see that, but I, I think this is kind of the classic case. Like this Dolphins team, their their defense just isn't good. So when they play a high powered, well coached offense, they, they tend to get outclassed in my opinion. I, I think it's something that McDaniel can figure out. Um, but we've seen this before, you know, they, they face just another really high powered offense. And although they can score with the best of them, the other offense knows how to hold the ball and, and really mitigate the number of possessions, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you have a physical defense like the bills have, even though it's not the best, it's, it's enough to really kind of throw off their rhythm. It, it, it gives them some trouble. Yeah. Um, I think the takeaway from this game though, do we just, uh, do we mark a chain for two touchdowns a game the rest of the season? I mean, he's on an absolute tear right now seemingly i i mean i love the guy he's super fast super incredible at what he does and he does his job well in the offense he doesn't try to do too much and that's what i really like about Devin a chain or he he he's like a correction for the way that people say his name i think it was more like devon a chain is what he preferred but to each their own that whole miami team with chosen anderson i don't know how any of them want to pronounce their name anymore um but yeah it seems like he honestly might be more valuable than just about any other running back the rest of the season like i'm thinking through the names in my head of like the people that i would rather have a chain going down the stretch it's like cmc maybe like david montgomery who had a big game this past weekend derrick henry maybe because he also had a big game but like honestly the list is kind of starting to dwindle a chain is really forcing his way into the top 10 running backs what do you think Well, it'd help if I turned my mute off. Um, what do you what do you think about uh, Kieran Williams? I I could see. I mean, you basically listed the top five, right? You're gonna want A Chain, CMC. I mean, Eckler. Wh- where do you put Eckler in that list? Because his injury's been iffy, but when he's on the field, he performs. Uh, mm-hmm. Henry is. I, I know it's it's tough. Henry's up and down. The problem is that offense is so bad; it's hard to trust that he can continue that performance. Like they were just absolutely dog walking the Bengals and. I don't think that's going to be the script too often this season for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's got to be one of the top guys that you'd want. Yeah, he's right up there. And honestly, if you dropped him like me, you're an absolute idiot. <laughs> Go get a chain. Probably the the price room is incredibly high at this point. And I feel like him and Puka 
they both have staying power. They don't really remind me of like that Travis Fulgham, like flash in the pan type of guy. The way that they are involved in this offense and they are constantly involved both of their offenses, I think they're both going to be around for a long time. And it's just it's just that volume thing, right? There's not a lot of other people to be stealing that away from them. And they're clearly parts and priorities of their respective offenses. It, there's only a handful of guys I'd rather have over both of those dudes. Like, do you, would you have Saquon rest of season or Devin A-Chain? Which isn't a crazy question. Um, honestly, it, it might be a chain. Yeah, I mean, he's just getting the usage. He, I think people gave up to him because he was injured to start the year, so he missed the first game. Second game, he really got eased back in. Everyone gave up, and now we're seeing what was supposed to happen the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's iffy that I think the two big question marks are maybe some exciting points of fantasy football this week. Cooper Cup back in practice. They want him to play this week. What does that do to Puka? What does that do to Tutu Atwell? What does it do for this Rams team that's actually pretty frisky? Uh, and then JT is going to be potentially back. He's, I think, back at practice or at least off of Pup. I mean, that that Colts team has played well. Do you think they – I mean, it doesn't sound like he wants to be a Colt, but like maybe he just sucks it up and plays for him. Like, what, which, which is more exciting to you, and like, what do you think is the outcome of these two guys coming back? Well, one, disrespect – to my guy, Jameson Williams, who got reinstated from his gambling <laughs> suspension. Really excited about the opportunity of that. Honestly, I've been trying to go and get some Jameson Williams now that he's finally off his suspension. Got off early, too. My guy beat the allegations, and because of him, they actually upped the suspension for any future suspensions from gambling. It went from, like, six games to, like, a year, and then, like, a second infraction. You go from a year instead to a two-year suspension. Good for my guy, Jameson Williams. Well, I, I believe um, it was the case was he wasn't gambling on NFL, right? They changed it to yeah. where if you get caught gambling on NFL instantly right. one year, if it's a second offense, you're, I mean, you're more or less out of the league. You're going to get Plaxico Burrist. Yeah, yeah. But the question you had, Cup or JT, which one I'm more excited about? Honestly, I feel like this offense is just humming in Indianapolis, even without JT. Zach Moss has been performing like a top five, at least top 10 running back honestly anthony richardson the way he's running the ball he had 56 yards this past week and a touchdown very very strong performance from him on the ground i don't know how much jt is one needed with the way that shaden steichen is able to scheme things up but also too how much he would ever even get involved in the running game i am much more excited about what cooper cup can potentially do i i think puka has staying power. I think he's kind of like that big body guy that can continue to stick around. But Cooper Cup in the slot with the way that Matthew Stafford seemingly is just allowed to free sling it anywhere around the field. I am salivating about Cooper Cup. And I, I still can't believe you pulled off that trade earlier this season in our fantasy league where you got him for Lockett. That feels like the heist of all time in my books. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he stays healthy. Um, yeah. I, I had a lot of people banging down the door to get cup after that. And I almost pulled the trigger a couple times because my running backs are terrible, but I'm trying to just stick to the three stud receivers and a tight end and hope for the best. Yeah. What was the most surprising performance of the weekend to you? Good or bad? Oh, I mean to see the Patriots look like a, like a European NFL team. That one's definitely bad and surprising. I don't think we're a great team, but we usually still play competitive no matter who we're facing. So that, that one just stings. Um, you know, I think seeing, seeing the Vikings, like not pass the ball well was a little surprising. I mean, they had a pretty rough game, but this was also their first win. So like, they're kind of in a weird spot. I couldn't believe the chargers didn't put up like 40 points on the Raiders. Like the, the chargers are just such a hard team to figure out right now because 
it, this really felt like it should have been a, a coming out party for every player that catches passes. And it wasn't really the case this week. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, obviously Zach Wilson playing like prime Mahomes was a little <laughs> unexpected, but that was pretty exciting for the Sunday night game. Yeah. A lot of just like kind of breakout performances for some guys. I loved what Pacheco did this past weekend. Yeah, I he thought was he good. was super dynamic man always looks angry at the ground. And that's what I love about a good old fashioned running back. I was also surprised by the down game by the Vikings passing game. Justin Jefferson had a down game, only had 85 yards and only two touchdowns. Like, how dare he? The first uh, time ever Justin Jefferson's been saved by touchdowns versus saved by the 250 you know, receiving yards that he gets. I hope he breaks the receiving yards record this year. I love my boy Megatron, but like, I think it'd be really, really awesome if Justin Jefferson made that happen. It would be doubly funny if like the Vikings were like five and 12 or something like that. Um, Just parsing through the list of like the top performances of the weekend in terms of total points, Michael Wilson, wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know if you've ever heard this guy. I've never heard of this man in my entire life, but he is kind of popping off. He had 76 yards, seven catches, two touchdowns this past weekend for the Arizona Cardinals. Like he's definitely a guy to go get. I feel like at this point, looking at the waiver wire, it's not exactly like the deepest crop this past weekend. We're kind of past the, the Jeremy Fords or past the Kieran Williams, the Pukas and such. So you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. If you're, if you got a lot of guys on bye week this upcoming week, there's a lot of big bye weeks, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Seattle Seahawks. It's like Michael Wilson. Someone you're thinking about go getting like Josh Dobbs is kind of making him viable i'd say it's a he's definitely up there the issue being we said it last week like i'm not really in a need for receivers i have playable receivers i need to find a a dang running back and to me that's (laughs) jaleel mclaughlin is that is that the guy's name yeah yeah Um, he seems potentially exciting javante williams might not be playing this week so i'm hoping that means nothing but the moon for p ryan but uh jaleel might be a guy you grab and if you find out he's about to get an extended workload, you throw him in because he, he just looked better than any other running back this week um, are, in their game. Are you, are you back on the Curtis Samuel train, or is that something you don't even want to touch? He had a big week in this past week, and he had 14 points. I I haven't really been on that commander's train at all. Um, it's, it's tough to tell. I would say anyone's startable because you're playing the Bears. I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna have a depressing Sam Howell, Justin Fields lineup with Geno out this week uh, on by, so... I'm hoping just for a really high scoring game, but we will see. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be like six to three. It's going to be like yeah, that, that Virginia that Tech Wake Forest game. game. Just brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be like the sickos, the the handful of Amazon Prime owners that are just like, yeah, this is the best football game of all time. And it's going to be absolutely gnarly. Uh, some other guys that I really like their performances this past week. Loving what I'm seeing from Jake Ferguson. I know we don't talk a ton about tight ends on here, but it was kind of up in the air, like how Dallas was going to replace Dalton Schultz whenever he went over to the Houston Texans. Any of the three tight ends that they have there could end up kind of taking the reins. And I really like what I've seen from Jake Ferguson, particularly after the catch. I, I feel like Dallas really hasn't been in a game where like they needed to go balls to the wall the whole game outside of obviously the Arizona game. But I feel like he could be huge against San Francisco this upcoming week. Uh, and then also some other guys I've just been loving their performances. Brian Robinson Jr., man. People were kind of jumping off him after he had a bit of a down week last week, but he got another touchdown this week. The amount of run that he gets in that Washington Commanders offense has been so fun to watch. So much better than watching Antonio Gibson run for two yards per carry. And, you know, that's my guy. 
I, we, we've been talking about ever since he got shot. I've been, he's my ride or die guy as we've been going through all of this. So just been loving his performances. Yeah. It, when you start the season and you're Antonio Gibson and you like try to make positive light of, Oh, I'm about to enter the, I can't even think of the guy's name, like the Sims role. Is it, is it like, yeah, Charles Sims. Yeah. Okay. It's like, and so everyone's just like, okay, so clearly don't draft Gibson. And then he and B Rob were going like 80, 81, like they were back to back. It's like, it was obvious that you wanted Robinson jr. Above Antonio Gibson. And I think for your point, it's vindication for you that you were a year early on him just thanks to unforeseen events. But, uh, you know, he's just an absolute baller and it's good to see him, you know, playing well. Can, can, can we talk about the Bengals now? We What's can. going on? I mean, by all means, you. I know you're going to have a, a less than base take and I'll have a much more sensible take. But how are you feeling about them Bengals? Who are they? Who are they? That's a great question. I think there's a very big danger going on in Cincinnati at this point. People can continue to say it's the coaching. Oh, you know, the receivers aren't doing what they need to do. But as Jamar Chase said this past weekend, he's open. He is always open. And Joe Burrow is just not getting his receivers the ball. We saw T Higgins get injured this past weekend. Big old bummer. I don't, want to see the Cincinnati team crumble. And I think it would be incredibly nonsensical of them to fire Zach Taylor, put all the onus on him and think that he is the problem and not look at internally. Maybe Joe Burrow's just not that guy. I feel like it is very worthwhile for them to start looking at some other options. Maybe that's tanking for Caleb Williams. That's benching Joe Burrow and going in just the Jake Browning direction and going to get Marvin Harrison Jr., I think that there would be a lot of harm by trying to make this season happen because frankly, it's just not happening. And if you're looking at the rest of the AFC North, every single issue that people were saying that Lamar Jackson had, you know, he, he, he's injury prone. Ah, he can't win in the big games. Ah, he's overpaid. They were actually talking about Joe Burrow the whole time. Joe Burrow overrated struck again. They are now one in three. It's starting to look bleak. And, I, I, it may sound like I'm facetious, but like genuinely, I don't think you can blame Zach Taylor for this. And a lot of the blame has to be going on Joe Burrow and his flimsy arm. Yeah. So that was the non-base take. Um, <laughs> I don't disagree. I think their seasons in a world of hurt, but I think it's because Joe Burrow suffered an injury six weeks before the season started and just could not get healed, yeah. but is trying to rush through it because, oh, they just paid me $275 million. Like I have to make this happen. You can just tell he's not himself. Their line is not improved as much as they've tried to improve that line. And he just doesn't have the athleticism when he's operating on one leg to, to make it work. Um, and they got to find a way to get the ball out quicker. He needs to be uh, playing more like 2011 Tom Brady, where he knows his offensive line's dog shit. So he's just throwing the ball in one and a half seconds, no matter you know who that receiver has to be. We need more um, quick hitters to, to Jamar. Cause to his point, he is always effing open. But the problem is if you're open 50 yards downfield, you can't uh, can't really make that work if your quarterback is on the ground. Mm-hmm. If they lose a couple more games, I, I think you trade T. Higgins because they're not going to re-sign him anyway. Try to get maybe a second round pick for him for a team that wants to, to re-sign him anyway. Um, maybe Ice, Ice Burrow. I, I, 
AJ McCarron proved himself to be a serviceable player in the in the XFL. I know they brought him back on the Bengals. I he's played well in the NFL before. If again, what all you have to do is try, kind of get the ball in the area of Jamar Chase. Like it's worth a shot, especially because if they try to force their franchise guy and say he ends up getting a worse injury, gets an ACL tear or like an Achilles tear or something because he just can't maneuver the way he wants to. Like that's just poor poor management, and I think that's really their issue right now. Yeah, and. As you mentioned, like things could get worse before they get better. They got Arizona this upcoming weekend. Could be a bit of a get right game, but Arizona's been frisky as we've been going along. Then they have three and one Seattle coming to town. San Francisco right off the bye week. One of the best teams in all of the NFL. And I think you and I have been very impressed with their play this year. Brock Purdy got that white boy swag going on. Buffalo comes to town Houston who's been doing a little bit better even though they continue to have some of the worst injury luck in all the NFL and then Baltimore in Baltimore like it's it's not going to get better like this schedule as the Bengals were a first place team last year they have a first place schedule coming up and Joe Mixon getting averaging 50 rushing yards per game like that's not going to cut it Joe Burrow his passing yards as he's been going along this season 82 222 259 165 like that's just not going to cut it and like i do like their defense i'm a big fan of their defense cameron taylor Britt is amazing some of their defensive linemen have looked incredible throughout the season but when you're losing to tennessee 27 and 3 you got to look yourself hard in the mirror and be like do we need to make some foundational changes about our franchise at this point it's it's looking bleak I was going to ask this later, but let's just go ahead and, and go with this before we do our power rankings. I, I just I pose the question, what team is most dead? So after the first, you know, we're a quarter way through the season. What team do you really think it needs to just blow it up? The Giants, right? Like they've had two of the most embarrassing losses I've ever seen in all of NFL history. Like when I think embarrassing losses, I think of like the Jay Cutler bears when they just like had a zero offensive line. Jay Cutler was holding the ball for 10 seconds and just crumbling into a ball. And the giants really took the cake with two of their games opening weekend against the, the Dallas Cowboys. And then last night against the Seattle Seahawks, just making absolutely nothing happen. Dabble is just going insane on the sideline just being like, Daniel Jones, what are you doing? And Daniel Jones just like, isn't even reacting. He's not acting positively. He isn't reacting negatively. He's just kind of taking it. This, this team has no juice to it. And I think if you are a fan of the giants, you got to be looking at yourself like all of our wide receivers are mid to below average. Saquon can't stay healthy. The defensive line is falling apart as we watch it. Your top two prospects, Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau, have really underwhelmed this year. Like, you don't have anything left in the cupboard. So I, I feel like if you're looking at just like the bleakest timeline, it's got to be the Giants at this point. What do you think? I, I think that's that kind of tra- tracks, right? I mean, they really are one insane comeback away from being 0-4. Um, and and I, can't, honestly, I can't believe they came back against the Cardinals. They, they just relied on Saquon having a prime Saquon game. Um, you know, I'd say even trying like looking through my teams here, like maybe the, the Falcons kind of, I, I don't love where they're at right now. I, mm-hmm. the Patriots are, are the ones catching the most flack right now. Their, their O-line's just absolute dog shit. And I know they're every, like, everyone's kind of pointing fingers at every possible position, but man, the Patriots are just so injured. It's, it's just tough, tough sledding for them. 
Um, I'm not willing to give up on this team. I think we have a lot of good pieces and obviously some great coaching. It's just, man, our personnel is a little, little iffy on the offensive side of the ball. That Falcons team, though, you've used, what, four top five picks to get offensive weapons and you just refuse to use them. Um, you're, you're losing winnable games. I mean, just getting dog walked by, I guess, in, in all fairness, they were playing European Jaguars, not the American Jaguars. So that's tough, but I just, I don't know what they're doing. And, and I don't think we've ever known exactly what it is that they're doing, but um, maybe it's just because we, you and I both hate Arthur Smith so much that we just want it to happen. But I just, you know, when you're looking at that division, I guess maybe the Saints are a better candidate. Like, I'm not really sure what the Saints are trying to do either, but I just, I, I don't see the path forward for the Falcons with, with Ritter at the helm. Yeah. It's funny how there's some one in three teams that I feel way better about, like, even like the Raiders and the Broncos than some of these two and two teams. Don't really love what I've seen from Atlanta either. It was very fitting that Drake London got a catch in London for a touchdown. Love that for him. But yeah, other than that, they just had zero juice going on. And when Bijan Robinson is like single-handedly dragging you as an offense as a rookie, you gotta start looking at yourself and be like, what are we even doing here as a franchise? So that's been really tough to watch. Another two and two team that I think is like sneakily really bad is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've been having injuries up and down the roster. Absolutely zero juice from Najee Harris or Jalen Warren, if we're being honest. Stoney Johnson is hurt, and Kenny Pickett is now out as well. And it's like, what? Like, this whole team was supposed to be super good. We were talking about them as a sneaky good team. And it really feels like coaching, particularly Matt Canada, is really holding them back at this point. Yeah, and the Steelers and the Patriots are on the exact same trajectory right now of, you know, good luck getting eight wins. Um. The only, I guess, saving grace is the Patriots might have a little bit better cap situation, but both are relying on a rookie quarterback that's kind of underperforming right now. Both have pretty bad offensive lines. Both have their running backs that just aren't quite doing it as of right now. Um, Steelers have a bit better receiving core, but I like the Patriots' defensive backs better. Like Those are just two teams that have good ownership or are historically good, but I just look not great right now. Absolutely. Do you want to get into our... Uh... Power rankings now? We can kind of go like tier by tier. Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. Who do you got at the very top? Who's lead in the entire league? And to me, the number one team's, I think, clearly the Niners. Uh, A healthy 49ers just seems almost impossible to be right now. They are firing on all cylinders. I think very closely followed by Chiefs and Eagles. Um, It it really just looks like last year reincarnated. There's a few very obvious top-heavy teams, and after that, a lot of nobodies. Yeah, no, I think that you got the very top of the league, which I think is very clearly, once again, Chiefs, 49ers, Eagles, reiterating what you've said. After that, you kind of have that like second tier of guys who are like at least contenders, but it gets falls off really, really quickly. I, I heard a really smart thought this past weekend that like most of the teams in the NFL kind of suck. And honestly, it's very true. Not every everybody makes the playoffs. Not everybody actually really has a chance of making the Super Bowl. And it feels like with the way that these smart franchises are operating, like the Eagles and just taking all this really good talent. They even got like Bradley Roby today on the cheap from the Saints. And it's like that's this type of smart buy low moves that teams make whenever they are just a well-run franchise. And it really feels like we're starting to see that at the top. I personally have the Chiefs still over the 49ers just because it's so hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. I feel like that at some point the Brock Purdy insaneness can't keep going on, you know, and so I would still have the Chiefs just ever so slightly above the 49ers. But honestly, I can't shame you 
for having any of the Chiefs, 49ers, Eagles in any of that range. I feel like the Eagles are maybe just a little bit lower just because they haven't really like had a super tough schedule and they haven't really been tested all that much, even though they've kind of had some last second heroics. I feel like one of these really, really good teams in that second tier could at least have a chance of knocking them out, looking at the Dolphins, the Bills, the Cowboys, etc. I was going to say, would you say there's kind of the top three is that tier one or would you put the Cowboys into tier one and a top four? I think before the Trayvon Diggs injury, I would have, but like they're kind of lacking a little bit in the secondary at this point. Like I really like Bland. He's been playing out of his mind, honestly, the last two years, getting crazy amount of interceptions, but still Stefan Gilmore is just not really doing it for me. No offense, former Patriot. He's old, man. Yeah, he's just getting a little old, getting a little washed. And they're kind of relying on a lot of just like those old timey players like Malik Hooker that I just don't really feel like mesh in today's modern type of defenses. And Micah Parsons is now dealing with an injury as well. And that kind of just starts concerning me a little bit. And Dak, as much as I really, really love Dak, really hasn't had a breakout game yet. He's been very much so a game manager so far this season. Honestly, Tony Pollard hasn't been going that crazy either. So I need to see an insane game. And I really feel like the 49ers Cowboys game that's about ready to be on Sunday night is going to tell me a lot of what I need to know about this Cowboys team. Niners about to dog walk them. You think so? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the Niners are just so good. Like they didn't have their best game this past weekend. They really relied on CMC, but they can beat you in so many different ways. Debo had zero catches this past weekend and it was like, eh, we're fine. We don't really need it. (laughs) It's ridiculous to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, So that tier two, then um, you know, kind of the same boat, right? Cowboys, Bills, Dolphins. Uh, You didn't put it yet, but I'd assumed you're going to put Ravens in there. Of these teams, I'm assuming you're guess you're still saying the Dolphins have the best chance of being some of these top teams. I put it with the Bills because I this league is quarterback driven, and I know you hate Josh Allen, but sorry, Josh Allen's better than Tua. Josh Allen's better than Lamar. Josh Allen's better than Jared Goff, right? Like he's better than all those guys. I know you're you're gonna try to make some some BS argument. He's not, but he just he is. It's not better if, I was, than Lamar. if I was Tony Romo, I'd call him Mr. January. <laughs> he's not better than Lamar, but I he's will give absolutely you absolutely better than Lamar. He's definitely better than Tua. He's definitely better than Jared Goff. I will not give you Lamar. Not at this point. Not the way that Lamar has been playing and the way that he's just putting dots to Mark Andrews in the corner of the end zone. I, I, All these teams are very, very much so right there. They're just needing to continue to do exactly what they're doing right now, and that's winning good, easy games. The Lions got out to an early lead and just held right on to it. The Bills and the Ravens and the Dolphins kind of did similar. Dolphins obviously just had their first loss. I think just like looking at this Dolphins offense with just all the weapons that they have and the way that they've kind of just like started putting together some of these more reliable players like Braxton Berrios, for example, it really, really makes me excited to see how far that they can go in the postseason this upcoming year. I think that there's a very clear divide between the good and the bad teams. And like, you can kind of just put all of these teams in whatever order you really want to. And I think it really does come down to coaching. And that's why I think McDaniel, just gets slightly above McDermott at this point, even though the Bills just won. Ignore that. I think Harbaugh is a really, really big upgrade over like a guy like Dan Campbell, and that kind of what ends up separating for me whenever I'm looking at these power rankings. Where do you put Stefanski in that? You just a fancy guy? No, not really. <laughs> what do you think of the Browns? You got them pretty high in your rankings. Are, are they defense, just really that good? That defense is just so good. Yeah, they're just really I mean, good around Watson at this point, right? And that's what helps yeah. them. Yeah, I'd say so. 
Uh, I mean, this wasn't the best showing for him. I think their offense was just so bad. Your boy DTR just did not get it done this weekend. Uh, there's nothing you can do when your team scores three points and is probably exclusively three and outing all over the field. Yeah. You know, a team that I still really like, and I, I, I won't shut up about them because I just think they're that good. I'm a big Colts guy. I, I think they're a very quality team. I just got an argument earlier today about the Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Richardson has been playing like the best rookie of all the rookies so far this year. I know Strad's been putting up the passing yards, but Richardson has been doing it on the ground and through the air. And he's also been doing it through injuries. If you go back in the NFL draft this past year, what order do you take the quarterbacks? What, what, what do you think in your mind? Um, I think, I mean, even then I was saying Stroud was number one. I'd probably still go number one, Stroud, number two, young, number three, Richardson. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I get it. He's ha- he's off to a good start. I I don't love his brand of football for the longevity of his career. He's already two concussions in a four week season. Um, he I mean he's just he's taking hits. We'll we'll see. I I think he's going to get figured out sooner rather than later. But hats off to him because he is playing out of his mind. Yeah, fully agree. Are, are he, you lo- he looks the best so far? I will say that. I mean, but him and Stroud are kind of neck and neck. Bryce Young, unfortunately, part of being the first overall pick is you get brought to the worst team, especially when they trade three other really good picks to you know move up and get you. Um, so I think the, I think they're going to have a pretty rough season in general, the Panthers, but uh, yeah, Stroud and, and AR are looking very good right now. Yeah. Is the Bryce young struggles more about him or is it more about like the team around him that or team coaching? Sucks, dude. That, yeah. I, I think it's all three. He's not playing his best, but when your best weapon is Adam Thielen, you know, five years past his prime, that's, that's a rough look. That, that line's bad too, man. He's got to get rid of the ball so fast. Yeah, it just really doesn't feel like a lot of guys want to be there. And I generally like Frank Reich, but I just kind of feel like he's overmatched in today's modern NFL. Like he's still running out some like really outdated schemes that I feel like any of the more innovative guys like Ben Johnson on the Lions or um, honestly anything that the Browns draw up. It's just so much more advanced than what he's putting out there. And I really feel like that old school style is kind of holding back Bryce Young, who is a more like progressive, modern kind of offensive quarterback person. Yeah, isn't there but, a reason why the Colts had the fourth overall pick? I'm not sure why you'd expect bringing that coaching staff into a worse team would give you any other result. A lot of a lot of odd retread decisions this past offseason. Like I, I feel like Frank Reich should be an offensive coordinator in this league. But like him as a head coach, it's very weird whenever you have so many other good options like Kellen Moore or Ben Johnson or just like a bunch of other coordinators in the league right now. It felt weird to go retread with that. Like Doug Peterson, sure. I get I get the the thought he's a you know Super Bowl winning head coach, but Frank Reich was just very weird to me. I, I, I feel uh, like they might move on sooner rather than later from him. Do you think Matt Nagy's going to get a, a redo after having you know a couple successful Chiefs seasons? I, I bet you he does. If McDaniel's ever got you know got his retry, <laughs> you can't though, right? Like Nagy was so bad, so bad. He's coached the, the year Bears. one one year, man. Yeah, but like that was just like the perfect storm of like, hey, we just got Khalil Mack in his prime. Mitch Trubisky was actually having a decent year. We had a really, really, really easy schedule. You had the MVP. Like, I, I don't, I don't feel like you can ever recreate that type of magic with him, right? Like, I'd rather Probably give, not. 
I'd rather give Steve Spagnuolo another chance, the the Chiefs defensive coordinator. I'd rather give him another shot. He actually coached some decent teams in uh, St. Louis back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I'm. it's going to be tough. I bet you he gets another chance, but I don't want to be the team that gives him that chance. Yeah, absolutely. When not. we look at the middle of the pack here, uh, I think you and I kind of both have it defined by, you know, the more or less the entire AFC South and then the Chargers – uh, throwing maybe like the Buccaneers, the Rams uh, of these teams that are really, you know, 10 to 20 middle of the road. Not like we're not sure the verdict's not out just yet. Who do you think has the best chance to really make that push and, and could do damage in the playoffs? Yeah. And I mean, with the advancement of the seven seed recently, like we saw the Bengals kind of coming out of nowhere. They were like a five or six seed a few years ago. I feel like it's not impossible to come out of this middle class look like an incredibly average team and still find your way and going deep into the playoffs. It's, you're definitely not out of it. One team I'm definitely still not out on fully. It's the Vikings. Like if you are going to continue to throw for like five, 600 yards every single game, you're at least going to be throwing your way into some games. As much as I did not like their decision to let Dalvin cook go, given the dearth of options that they have now, Dalvin cook looks washed, dude. He looks absolutely awful in New York, and it kind of started to look like a good decision. When you got Jefferson as an option, I, I've seen these eyes have seen how far a number one receiver can take you whenever that's like your only option. Whenever like Calvin Johnson was in Detroit, I'm starting to get those vibes. And I would not not want to see this Vikings team in the playoffs. They're going to put 40 on you if you're not careful. So I'm not out on the Vikings as much as it as maybe like some other people are. That defense is obviously still terrible, but a one and three start. I, I'm not, I'm not completely out on them yet. Uh, I'm not completely out, but I'm pretty out on them. Cause it just feels like everything that we saw last year, like anyone that watches football is like, Oh, this is the luckiest team in NFL. And now it's just the complete regression to the mean this year for the Vikings, where it's like, oh, the ball isn't bouncing their way every single time that it can. Um, so I, th- that's kind of just going against them. I love this Buccaneers team right now. Their mm-hmm. defense is playing really well. Their defense is healthy this year, which we didn't really see much last year. Their offensive line is healthy this year, which just wasn't the case last year. Mike Evans is proving that he is that dude, that he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, we always cite the uh, wide receiver log jam, which I think is the dumbest thing ever. Either your stats speak for themselves or they don't. And Mike Evans is going to be the guy that just skips the line, kind of like Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they've been playing incredibly well. And Baker is just making things happen. I, I obviously don't love how the running game is performing. People were really hyped <laughs> Tommy on Sean Tucker, and he's averaging one and a half yards per carry. But uh, Baker has just been making things happen and like continuing to support multiple wide receivers. And I think the thing that the Buccaneers did incredibly smartly as they were doing all of these like championship type runs was just continue to draft uh, defensive backs and just defenders in general very highly in the draft. Antoine Winfield Jr., I feel like a lot of people forget about him. Playing incredibly well this year. Even with all the injuries that they've had in the secondary, they just continue to make things happen. Not a bad team. And, you know, people make fun of the NFC South. Buccaneers and the Saints are still going to continue to chug along and just get wins. So, honestly, pretty dang impressive. What about the lower class? Who's going to escape? Who's going to make a little, like, change here you know in order to make some things happen who do you think ends up going from that lower class into the playoffs what what who's going to actually turn things around um i'd love to think the patriots but i wouldn't bet on it um yeah. i could see the broncos as bad as their defense is i i think they could turn it around the problem is it's 
it's hard to pick any of the AFC teams because the top end of the AFC is just so strong that you don't really want to bet uh, bet for like the lower end guys. So, you know, by that token, I, you know, like you said, the Saints maybe could start stringing together some wins because they do have a pretty solid defense. Um, man, the the Packers, I, I wouldn't put the Packers in the lower tier. I think they're, they're kind of in the middle of the pack personally. Um, even though they just got dog walked on Thursday night football, but I, you know, I think they could string together some wins and, and make a run. I put the Colts in the lower tier. I know you're hype on them, but they are still, are they one and three or oh and four? I mean, they're, they're not a like great record right now. No, dude, the whole AFC South is two and two. <laughs> oh, guess, sorry. I don't follow them close enough. My bad. No, um, that's it's very AFC South of all the teams. Just be tied for first and also tied honestly, for honestly, the Titan, if the Titans can keep up what they're doing, I mean, Again, the, the entire AFC South is kind of middle of the pack to low end. Um, I know you hate the Titans, so I'm going to count them as maybe a lower tier team. But uh, I mean, the teams that are absolutely dead, right, would be the Jets. Cause you're not going to want Zach Wilson. I mean, he needs to play like he just did last night every game for the rest of the year for them to have a chance. And I, I don't see that happening. Bears, absolutely dead. Panthers aren't going to do anything. Um, there's got to be one more. Oh, the, the Giants just write them off at this point. Um, so like those are the teams that no chance, right? Like we could put them in that, that bottom tier of like, it, it ain't it. Um, but after that, I think any of these bottom teams with, with it being a seven team playoff could go on a run and, and move it. Yeah. Um, I would, I'd look for it to be out of the NFC compared to the AFC. Like the yeah. Steelers, the Steelers are gonna have a hard time. Their division's so tough. The Bengals are gonna have a hard time. Their, that division's just so tough. Um, I, I think you're a hundred percent right on these, like, strike through teams like we can just write them off there's no shot it's the giants the panthers and the bears as much as the top three teams are really starting to separate themselves the chiefs the niners and the eagles these three teams are separating themselves at the bottom for all the wrong reasons i i kind of want to go deeper on the titans i, I was going to ask you about them like what do we make of this team obviously Vrabel, incredible coach I, I think if any team is really smart right now and they are maybe like a middling top playoff team and they want to go try and poach a coach out of a tough situation, you go and get Vrabel, man. He might end up being a Hall of Fame level coach when it's all said and done. He is dragging a below average roster into winning games. Traylon Burks, awful so far this year. DeAndre Hopkins, mid as hell. But just the combination of Derrick Henry, a decent offensive line, guys that win in the trenches and a little bit of Ty J Spears, and they're winning games. They are two and two. But they've also lost to the Browns 27 to 3. And then this past weekend, they beat the Bengals 27 to 27 to 3. What, what do we make of this Titans team? Are they going to make the playoffs? They're the ultimate any given Sunday team because, to your point, Vrabel is such a good coach that he can game plan and, and lock a team down. But also, their roster is just not talented on the offensive side of the ball, and they can very quickly just score zero points. At Tannehill, I, I can't trust him. Um, I don't know if you, I, I actually, I know how you feel about him. So I know you don't trust him, um, but Derek Henry can, can still go beast mode when he wants to. Um, so it's, it's tough. I could see them getting a seven seed. I don't think they make a splash cause you got to have good quarterback play. And I, I just don't think they're ever going to get that this season. Um, you know, the verdict's out on Will Levis, depending on if he gets any snaps, but as long as Tannehill's on our center, I just, this is not a championship caliber team. Yeah, it's just unfortunate, too, because it's like such a hodgepodge of just guys that are just like there, you know, and it, it feels like they should be better. But just the sum of it just doesn't really work out. I, I hate their entire defense. You can name what two or three guys on the entire defensive squad. Harold Landry, Kevin Byard. Um, 
I'm struggling at, even at this point. And it's like, what, what, what would they really expect at that point? Like you got to go out and spend some money in order to make some things happen. So I think a combination of that with some bad drafting has just made it a tough job, but Vrabel just continues to get wins. So I'm a believer. I didn't used to be, but Vrabel's really turned me into a Vrabel guy. <laughs> I know I'm a big, big Vrabel guy. I'm with you on that one. Uh, question for you, where you had the Lions currently, would you take the Lions or the rest of the field beneath them? So obviously not the teams they have ranked above. That would be an easy, yeah, take the field there. The, the field beneath the Lions, who would you think has the better shot of winning the Super Bowl? Well, clearly the Seahawks, because the Lions can just seemingly never win a game against Seattle. Back-to-back seasons, losing to them. Very, very tough losses as well. Uh, I mean, you still obviously got to go to the field, right? There's just a lot of potential teams right below them that can make some noise, make some things happen. Uh, and I think coaching specifically playoff ready coaching is what's really going to do the lions in whenever it comes to the playoff time. Uh, Dan Campbell just hasn't really been in those big, big situations knowing to knowing when to, you know, call the timeouts, when to go for it on fourth down. I think that's really going to end up being what hurts them. Um, The running game, I think will continue to be incredible. And that kind of ends up being what helps them against maybe like the Jags or the chargers where like that situational running just doesn't really work out for him. Uh, some of the other teams I like below them. Jeez. Ah, Honestly, looking through these teams, it's a bit of a rough list, but I think just in, in the tandem, it's like, and the, all of them combined together just gives them a better shot than what the lions currently have. But yeah. I'm hyped, dude. I just love rooting for a decent team. It just makes me very happy. Yeah. I'm sure it feels great. It's I haven't had it in a while. I, I know it feels good. So I'm happy for you as a lions fan to, to get yeah. that feeling. I I'm with you. I think I take the field. The reason being, you know, you can circle the Seahawks, the chargers, the Jags, um, the Packers, if they get hot, the Rams, if they get hot, the Buccaneers, the Vikings, like there's enough teams that could really put it together to, to make a, a splash. And then to your point, I mean, we love, or I like Motor City, Dan Campbell. You're a little bit lower on him, but uh, just, they don't have that experience yet. Something could go wrong. Yeah. And I mean, like last time we saw Jerry Goff in the playoffs, uh, well, we almost saw him in the playoffs because uh, he was supposed to play and then they benched him for John Wolfer. Plus he had like the hand injury, but then the right before that is like the Super Bowl, And like, we've kind of seen that like Jared Goff just doesn't really have it whenever it comes to playoff football, he's not really going to go crazy for 400 yards and win you some games. So it's going to really be on that running game, which Dan Montgomery got to stay healthy. He's the only good running back we have at this point. So it worries me a little bit. I need some. I need to see some more from Jameson Williams. I need Laporta to keep it up. But uh, it's been an encouraging start from the offense, if I'm being honest. And the offensive line has continued to be incredible. Truly, a top five on offensive line. I'd really love to see it. And just because it's all I've got, how are we feeling about Jameer Gibbs? Because anytime he's mentioned on any kind of uh, like analysis type platform, people are just so hyped on him. But I feel like the tape don't lie. He just has not really done anything with opportunities. I need to see better vision. I need to see better foot speed from him. Everything so far, like people are saying, oh, he's not getting the opportunities. I feel like he is like, he's just not making the most of them. And Dan Montgomery is just truly outclassed him getting more yards so far this season, getting more run, getting more touchdowns. Like, I feel like Monty's been the whole package that Jameer Gibbs was promised. And I, I have, I, I hate it because like we could have just kept DeAndre Swift and this would have been so much simpler, so much cheaper, way less investment on the draft pick side of things. But 
the the hype on Jameer Gibbs, the fact that we wanted to draft him over Bijan Robinson, the fact that our our entire front office was going crazy when we made the pick, it just shows like a fundamental lack of understanding of scouting the running back position. Seems like a nice guy. Seems like a good person. I just don't understand any of the hype that people have been giving him. And I don't think it's really going to change. Like we usually see these running backs go crazy out of the gate. Like we've seen some awesome Le'Veon Bell performances as star's career, some awesome Todd Gurley performances. I feel like the dream's kind of dead. And you know what? You waste the number 12 overall pick. Shit happens, I guess. But it's it's looking bleak. Give me Bam Knight. Revisionist history is really easy, but would you have been any less disappointed with taking like Bijan at number six? Like, I mean, at least you guys traded down and got some more capital. You know what? I guess what would you have preferred happen at six? I mean, in an ideal world, like I want CJ Stroud at six. Uh, that's always been the dream as I've detailed out on this pod. Uh, I think Devin Witherspoon falling there would have been fine. Honestly, I think the ideal situation is just take Gonzo there at six. I think bolstering this defense, which has shown to be the biggest weakness of our team so far this season, would have been the thing to do. And we can justify as much as we want, but like that realistically is what ended up costing us a potential Super Bowl shot this year, as much as I like our odds still. Um, Bijan would have been better at six, for sure. He's a much more dynamic back. I think you and I were even discounting him to a degree to start the season as well. He's really kind of just gotten a stranglehold on that offense, which I wasn't even expecting to that degree. And he looks dynamic, leading the Falcons this past week in rushing yards and receiving yards, which is just really impressive as a rookie so far this year. With an offensive line that's just kind of average, right? And that Lions offense, he's just plug and play, and he's going to go crazy. So... Yeah, that probably would have been the move. I would have definitely had a B. John Robinson jersey if that would have happened. But, you know, like you said, revisionist history would have been nice. It's wild, though, because like even Gonzo at six, people, yeah, makes sense. They, they missed Devin Witherspoon, but they still get the next best corner. Um, Gonzo at 12, you're elated, right? And then I mean, for us, Gonzo at 17 was just unbelievable. Steal. But, yeah. Steal. How how do you feel about the, not to bring up bad things, how do you feel about the Judon injury? I mean, Judon and Gonzo, they're they're out for an indefinite period. I, I hope Judon just takes the rest of the season off and gets healthy. Him rushing back and re-injuring for a team that doesn't have a chance at making any real splash, I just don't think is worth it. Um, it would be very Patriots for us to rush back a defensive player and win two meaningless games to make sure we don't have a top 10 pick. Um, but we'll see. If, if we go on a tear and it makes sense, sure, come back. But this team is... The, the ceiling for this team is make the wild card, right? Like that's not worth rushing back your best defensive player. Yeah. And if the Patriots are bad, that means we get more sassy Bill Belichick, which I'm all about. I want to see him. So throw some more, more challenge more, flags, like, more spiking of the challenge flag. <laughs> I think it'd be incredible. All right. We'll, uh, we'll put our power rankings out there. People can dissect them. I think that this league so far this year has been very easy to dissect. And I think we're going to see a very clear cut, tier list as we continue to go along especially with the way that some of these schedules are shaping up some of the bad teams have really bad schedules and some of the good teams have some easy ones I, I hope we see more teams that we feel like have a chance because right now it really is shaping up to be only the one and two seeds in the division really have a shot um so i'm, I'm hoping that gets that gets rectified but we'll see yeah, we need one of these mid quarterbacks to finally actually start playing up to the potential. I need Lawrence to play to his potential. 
Yeah, that would have been fun. Like Tila or Kenny Pickett, Ritter, just have a pulse. Like somebody, like give give me some juice. You know, all these guys are averaging like a hundred yards per game, and we need we need somebody to like kind of move their way out of the middle class into that very top tier. That'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe the Falcons trade for Zach Wilson. Just give Zach a new start. See what he looks like. Just give him a chance to just just whiz the ball everywhere. He's the new Joe Namath. That's that, that's what we've been saying. I I've been I've been a big fan of Kirk Cousins to Atlanta, and I think I'm going to continue to be. I mean, people people say Mac needs to get the hell out of town. I disagree. Do you think Mac on the Falcons makes that Falcons team better? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think makes them better from day one. I I wouldn't do that if I was the Patriots. I saw some rumors of like, oh, we want Bo Nix. I'm like, if you hate Mac Jones, you're gonna fucking hate Bo Nix. But uh. Yeah, Mac Jones wouldn't be that bad. Okay, okay, I'm going to say, I don't want the pass to trade back. I want the Patriots to fix our offensive line issues and get at least a weapon to see what he can do. But everyone's always said, if Mac has weapons, he can perform. Oh my God, can you imagine the amount of performance you could do when you have four top 10 picks to throw to? That'd be that'd be exciting. And he, like, I, Mac Jones had two bad reads this past weekend. He, he held onto the ball a little too long. That's okay. Stuff happens. He's still a young quarterback, which I don't think enough people give him. He also was playing potentially very concussed. I don't know if you saw the play where he got straight scorpion slammed in the (laughs) ground and like was just glazed over. I think he probably should have been pulled. And that gives a little bit more understanding of what happened. But also like he's in a position right now where he feels like he's forced to make things happen. It feels like and that's not where we want him to be because, you know, I want him to be on script. I don't want him to try to be more than he is because him just you know making good reads and getting the ball out on time is should be enough but i mean we're just with our offensive line where it is he can't do that i think you're right and yeah billy b after the game said that like hey back getting benched it wasn't performance based it was more so like he just wasn't ready to go and i totally get that like if you get slammed to the ground by a big 400 pound man i wouldn't be ready to go either so i i, I think that mac jones a little more time a little more gelling in the offense I hate to say it, but get some better coaching in there on the offensive coordinator side of things, get some better weapons. And this could be a whole new Mac Jones. I think you continue to hold on to the dream. And if Kyle Shanahan said that he wanted Mac Jones top five originally, I think that you continue to just roll with him. People don't see the vision, but this is the one guy that I would like die on that hill for. Yeah. Well, that's there we go. Some Mac truth to end. You got anything else? Nah, just that Mac to Mac connection. Yeah, 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 yeah